going to be in Luke chapter 11 this morning. We've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit, just starting with the basis, assuming that nobody knows anything about it. And um, depending on how you grew up or where you grew up, or, or uh, maybe this is your first time in church, or you've never even thought about this, or, uh, or don't know what to do, or or you think maybe there's a wrong way to do this. And I was thinking about that this weekend, and in Acts chapter 19, there's an actual uh, account of this where they're going along, and some people had uh, heard about Jesus Christ, but one of the disciples says, have you re- received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit to receive. And he begins to explain to them, and, and so they knew about Jesus, and they'd heard some of His teachings, and but this part of their life had still been missing. And, and we shared last week that if, you, if you're trying to live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit, it's pretty impossible. Uh, it's, then it's just made up of rules and the do's and the do-nots, and yet the Holy Spirit is one that unlocks the life and allows us to live without condemnation. And it also convicts us and brings us into righteousness and in alignment with what God wants us to do. And so to try to do that on our own, the flesh always interferes. The flesh wants what it wants. But the power of the Holy Spirit is there to override the flesh. Even Jesus knew this. He said the Spirit's willing. It's always ready to line up with what God wants. But the flesh, our desires, our our humanness, is weak. And it's always got this combat going on between what we want and what God wants. And the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we know what God wants. We know who we are in God. And that we can follow Him by walking in the Spirit. And it's not some mystical thing save for super spiritual people that are gurus. It's for every single believer that would believe the Word of God to be able to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. But it is a little bit different than just going to church. It's not just going and sitting. It's actually allowing His Word to get inside of you and then allowing our ears, our spiritual ears, to become sensitized to hear the Spirit saying, I uh, wouldn't do that. Or you better do more of that. <laughs> and we have to learn that. And, and that comes over time. And so none of us are perfect in this. And so it's this, this journey. And so if you're not there yet, take hope and know, hey, you might be just one step away from that great next place. And it's for you to take the next step and the next step and the next step. It's not a destination. Walking in the Spirit is the journey of learning what that means in your life. And for some of you, you need to get it reawakened. Maybe you had a hard time or a dry time, or, or again, maybe that you've never even asked the Holy Spirit in. And you need to shake all that off, shake off the where you've been, and step into the what do you have for me today. Because we can get hung up and stopped, and, and I don't want that. I want the fullness of the Spirit, however He wants to do it. I leave my, my, my mind open to that. Not being raised in church, I didn't have any preconceived ideas. And so when I read the Bible about the Holy Spirit, I was like, that is awesome. That's incredible. And then there were people that said, yeah, we don't do it that way. And I'm like, but that's what the Bible says. Uh, we don't do it that way. Or some people are like, uh, I know the Bible says that, but I don't believe it. I'm confused. (laughs) And so if you've got questions this morning, great, have questions. But allow the Scripture. I'm going to keep pointing you to the Scripture. The Scripture will reveal what the Spirit is, what He wants from you, where He wants to lead you. 
All right? And so we're going to talk about even just receiving that Holy Spirit. And I'm not just talking about getting saved. I'm talking about a whole other deal. So we're going to see what Jesus has to say about this. I believe he's the highest authority we can look to. And so if you'll join me in Luke chapter 11, we're going to jump into this and and get going here. All right? Here we go. Uh, Beginning with verse 5. This is what he says. Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Doesn't sound like a very good friend, but read on. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his, see the word there? His persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now listen, he's trying to to tell us a story that if we read it in context about a friend receiving a gift, and notice what he said here, that you don't just get something because you're a friend, but because of persistence. And some of you are saying, I'm saved, but I've never had this experience of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you're saved, you're a friend of God, but maybe you just have lacked the persistence. And he goes on to tell about this, because it doesn't just automatically happen. And he uses this in human terms so we can understand. A friend comes to the house and, hey, uh, a friend of mine dropped by. I need some extra food. Uh, Can you get me some food? And the friend on the other side says, it's late. Why are you waking me up? The kids are in bed. I'm not getting up and making a noise and doing all this stuff. It's too late. But read on. Verse 9. So I say to you, and remember, this is Jesus speaking. I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Get this. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, just talking about human fathers, not Godfather, but human fathers, will he give him a stone, something that won't sustain him? We know the answer, no. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Well, no. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? He's giving him these things, so am I going to give you something hard? No. Am I going to give you, when you ask for a a fish, am I going to give you something that you don't want, a a snake? (laughs) No. When I ask for an egg, something that's nourishing, something that's normal, am I going to give you something dangerous? No. And see, these are some of the hang-ups that happen with the Holy Spirit that make people back up. As it's, it's strange. It makes me feel funny. It's, it's dangerous. The Holy Spirit is not dangerous. What men can do with the Holy Spirit is dangerous. But the Holy Spirit is not dangerous. The Holy Spirit something good. Look what he says. If you then, being evil, just being a normal sinful person, if you can get this, know how to give good gifts. If you're a parent, you understand this. 
If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to what? To those who are super spiritual. To those who attend church a lot. To those who are incredibly mature. It doesn't say that, does it? He gives the Holy Spirit to who? Those who ask. Now, for some of us, even that is too much. I shouldn't have to ask. And I would say to you, get over yourself. Try it at Starbucks. Just waiting at the door. And nobody gave me coffee. Did you ask for coffee? I shouldn't have to ask. I went to my house and stood outside the door waiting for my lovely wife to open the door to me. And I stood there and stood there and stood there and stood there until I was so frustrated I got back in the car. Why didn't you just come in? How did she know you were even there? Did you knock? I shouldn't have to. Do you see how silly that is? And sometimes that's the world we live in today, that we feel like we should just be served without any effort on our part. We shouldn't have to ask. We shouldn't have to seek. We shouldn't have to knock. And yet the Scriptures, God's truth says, if you want something, ask for it. I shouldn't have to ask. Yes, you should. (laughs) It's so important that He wants you to ask for it. And here's the great part. If you don't want it, don't ask. But believe me, this is a gift that you want. This is a wonderful gift. And it gets kind of confusing at times, like I said, depending on how you've experienced it. But notice what he says. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? He's got a big present ready for you, a big gift ready for you. He's just ready to give it to you. And all you have to do is ask. And he puts it in this context so that we understand that there's a lot of things that might be given, and sometimes our perception, we think, oh, I don't want a snake. (laughs) Stay away from that stuff. Oh, that's a hard thing. I I don't know if I can do that. That's too hard. Or, that makes me, I mean, how would you feel if somebody handed you a scorpion? Would you want to hang on to that thing? Whoa. (laughs) Back up. But that is not the Holy Spirit. And if you've experienced any of those things, and it's been a hard thing, can I tell you, you need to re-examine the Scriptures. If you've experienced it and it's been a a scary thing, it's been a snake, re-examine the Scriptures. It's not a dangerous thing. It's something that the, the Father in heaven, God Himself, wants us to have. Now what's interesting is he he follows his prayer time, teaching the disciples how to pray. He follows it. Now look at how important this is. They said, teach us how to pray. And he teaches them how to pray, and immediately after saying, this is how you should pray, immediately he follows it with, and here comes the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting that he links prayer and the Holy Spirit because they should go together. The Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to help us to know how to pray. When we don't know 
how to pray when we're exhausted, when our vocabulary runs out, when we are just stymied and, uh, and frustrated. And Isn't it amazing that we've got the Holy Spirit that teaches us how to pray? And if you're struggling with your prayer life, maybe because you've set the Holy Spirit aside and you're just trying to go through a process or a formula where it should just be a natural outflowing of friend to friend speaking to God, receiving, hearing, speaking, and hearing back and forth, and Him knowing your heart, and you knowing the heart of God. And I want to stop right here and, and tell you this. When you seek the Holy Spirit, and I, and I hope that you do, and not just for a one-time event in your life. Oh, I remember back when I... This should be an ongoing process of seeking the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, continuing to being filled by the Spirit. Ephesians talks about this. It's an ongoing filling. <laughs> but when you seek the Holy Spirit, seek the giver, not the wrapping paper. Now, there's a big difference between men and women in here, and I'm not going to belabor this, but you ever watch a woman open up a present? Oh, look at the wrapping paper. Oh, the cute little bow. And look at how they did it. And they popped the tape off. And they. And I'm going to save this. And maybe I'll rewrap something later. And then you see a present wrapped by a guy. And it's like newspaper or burlap sack. And they've just duct taped it. And... Because that they realize that the outside isn't as important as what's on the inside. Are you following me? Don't try for the wrapping paper, the outer experience. Try for the giver of the gift, the Holy Spirit, and seek the present, not the outside stuff, okay? The wrapping paper is awesome and it's pretty, but it's the internal stuff that's so important. Let's take a look at this. We talked about this a little bit last week. We're going to talk about biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Let's remember the Holy Spirit is not talking in tongues. There is a part of the Holy Spirit that represents that, but He is not quantified. He is not defined as talking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Is there the gift of tongues? Yes, but you can't say, oh, Holy Spirit, that's tongues. That is such an insult. That's like looking at my wife and saying, oh, she's an earring. Well, it's a beautiful part of her, but it's a part. And if I just love her for the earring, it's going to go poorly. But the earring is not bad. Also, there is separate parts that the Bible talks about. He talks about there being a filling of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in John, he pulls his disciples close, and he says he breathes on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's amazing is we didn't see any signs and wonders at that part, and so I'm believing that there's different parts, different experiences the filling happens when you get saved. And the Holy Spirit comes into your life and makes your spirit alive. Now, why we must have it continue to be filling? Because it has to be poured in and push all the stuff out. You think about a, a jug that's been filled with a crud from 10 years, and now you're going to just pour in a little bit of water? You just got mud. But you keep pouring, and it works all that stuff out until... The glass is clear. That's the purpose 
of the filling with the Holy Spirit. We fill and fill and fill and fill, and it works out the mess of our lives. Then there's what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is a whole separate thing. And, and you can't have the baptism of the Spirit until you've received Jesus Christ and have the infilling of the Spirit. It doesn't work that way. And that's what got confusing is there's people that they weren't even sure they were saved, but they were seeking the gift. And it gets people all messed up. Can I tell you that the most important thing to seek is Jesus Christ first? You seek Him first. Seek Him. And He'll provide the rest. Then you can ask for the Holy Spirit. Then you can have the relationship for it to all line up the way it's supposed to. But this baptism, this is that boldness that we see in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to talk about this in weeks to come, to declare Christ and His gospel out loud. You see, that's part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Even those disciples that had followed Jesus for years and years and years, when the hard times came, they locked themselves in a room. They were afraid of what was about to happen. And then the Holy Spirit came, the gift that had been promised. And something happened. None of the external circumstances changed. They were still hated. They were still hunted. They were still outcasts. And yet the boldness of that Holy Spirit made them pour it out of that room into a city filled with diverse people and begin to proclaim the glories of God. Why? The Holy Spirit. And this is another reason why the church of today is struggling with evangelism is there's no boldness. Oh, I'm afraid of rejection. Think about these guys. They just saw the last guy that lived this way crucified. They know that Paul is out there hunting them down, dragging them off to prison, torturing them, getting them to recant their belief. And yet this boldness comes that says, you better step out in the public. You better declare the glories of God because everybody needs to hear it. And we struggle with this in the church today, not because the world doesn't need evangelism and not because the world is unaccepting, but because we have lost our boldness. And you know what it takes to get the boldness back? A fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit that says, I don't care what you think, but you need Jesus. And you're not a science project, and you're not some wacko. You are a human being that Christ died for, and you need to hear the glorious things of God. But somehow we've withdrawn and made it private, and we've made it personal. And yes, it's a personal relationship, but it was never meant to be private. Ever. It was never meant to be private. It was meant to be shared. It's one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit. Then we've got the gifts of come tongues, which comes from the Holy Spirit. This is the ability to interpret unknown languages and the ability to share in an unknown language. You can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's all over in there. And so if you struggle with that, just know that it's scriptural. It's right there in the Bible. It's not some weird foreign practice. It's part of the package of the Holy Spirit. But don't seek that. Seek God, seek the Holy Spirit and allow Him to direct you in the path that He wants you to go. When we get it backwards and we seek the wrapping paper, we get things in the wrong order and it gets confusing. First, seek God. Ask for the Holy Spirit and then allow Him to come. Do you know how long it took these believers to receive the Holy Spirit? A long time. He kept talking about this. I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promise. Great, they had a choice. Well, can't I receive the promise if I don't come to Jerusalem? Nope. 
And this may sound a little staunch this morning, but sometimes, even in church, people think they can have it their way. When he says go to Jerusalem, guess what he meant? Anybody that went someplace else did not receive the outpouring on that day. Do you realize that? There's probably people saying, well, I shouldn't have to go to Jerusalem. If he wants to give it to me, he can just give it to me here. And God says, nope, this is called obedience. This is called following my plan and my purposes. And that may rub up against you in your democracy, and it may rub up against you in your Western, especially West Coast cultures. I can have it my way right away, but God is not Burger King. He is the king. And when he says, wait for the gift, wait for the gift. And do it the way he says to do it, and you'll get the results you're after. Does that sound okay? But stop trying to make it your way and asking God to fit in. And you've got some giant shoehorn trying to make God fit into your plan. It doesn't work that way. He said, just go and wait. And then something wonderful will happen. And he didn't tell them exactly how it was going to happen, but they experienced it. And you need that experience as well. You need your own experience. You can't live off the experience of what somebody else tells you. You need your own experience with the Holy Spirit of God. You can't listen to the tales of, of days gone by. I used to listen love sitting at the table with my grandpa, who was old, telling me all the stories. I mean, he had pictures of himself in a mule-drawn combine cutting wheat and telling all the stories and hearing all this stuff. But I can't live on those stories in 2017. I have to experience my own life and experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit for myself. And I remember a friend of ours, their dear friends, they had been born and catechized as Lutherans. And they came to our church. I don't know what drew them other than this. This is one of those times where I'd say, you want to believe the Spirit can draw? The Spirit can draw people. We were having revival service at our church, and for some reason, these staunch from-birth Lutherans showed up at a Pentecostal church. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> and it scared the willies right out of them. And they left that night saying, I'll never be back. And the next night, they were back. And they're still in that church. But if you ask them, I'll bet you they'd say they're Lutheran. That's where their birth was. But what's really sad is this. They experienced that, saw liberty, saw the workings of God they'd never seen in their church. And yes, if you've never seen it, it seems strange. But it doesn't mean it's wrong. And the Spirit does move in mysterious ways. And sometimes He works on us in ways we don't expect and maybe we don't even want. But the low point for him is we went to another church in, in a revival, and he was hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but his Lutheran background kept hanging him up. And he saw that they were having a, a, a teaching session. They called it a stream for those seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, this is awesome. And so Tim goes off. It's not this Tim. It's another Tim. And when I see him again, I'm expecting to just see him beaming and glowing. And, and he comes back pretty despondent and shaking his head. I said, what's up? He's like, well, they just took us in the back of this room, and they had us sit down, and, and, and their whole focus was on the tongues. And they just said, so repeat after me, pot of tea, pot of tea, pot of tea. And, and, and people are like, 
What? And he says, well, you know, the problem is you're, you're talking on the front of your tongue, not on the back. I mean, just this crazy stuff. Now, listen, this is from a guy that's hungry for the Spirit that he says, I don't want what they're going to teach me. I want what the Holy Spirit wants me to have. Church, can we just go with that? Is that okay? Can we just want what the Spirit wants us to have? However it looks, whenever it comes, however it's packaged, and just be happy with that instead of something that man has to package up for us? Because we'll be dissatisfied. Let's talk about this wonderful gift. Now, there's been a lot of controversy about that, about what is required to receive the Holy Spirit. But again, I'm going to remind you to look at Scripture. So look at Luke 11, 9 through 13. What's it say? I'll point you right back here. Ask, seek, knock. If you want a good gift, ask, and the Holy Spirit will be given by a good Father that knows how to give what kind of a gift? A good gift, right? A good gift. So how do you get it? Go back to Scripture. Don't listen to somebody else's version of this. You need to have your own. So here we go, asking. Ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you. That's the key right there. Holy Spirit, I believe in you. I want to be filled by you. I want to be focused on you. I want my actions to be filled with you. You see, the motivation is the key. Why do you want the Holy Spirit? That should be the question right there that resonates in your heart. Because you want the fullness of all that God has for you, or, or you want to fit into some club, or you want to feel like you're more mature or, or spiritually elite. That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to free us, give us power and liberty and boldness and the gifts of the Spirit so that we come together instead of pulling each other apart. I think it's a shame that the gifts that were designed to unite and strengthen the church have been a source of controversy and chaos instead of them flowing perfectly into the lifeblood of a church if we'll just practice what the Bible says for us to practice. And then secondly, seek. Okay, I've asked. Now I'm waiting. No, don't wait. Seek it out. Seek the gift of the Holy Spirit, not the outcome. And not what other people have had. I want what he's got. No, I just want what the Holy Spirit's got. You may never get what somebody else has got. You may not get that gift. You may not get it in that way. You can get it the way God asked for you. He's an individual God. Do you know 1 Corinthians tells us that there are diversity of gifts? Why? Because there's diversity of people. He loves us so much, He's not going to make you fit into some mold. He's got something specific for you. It's the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, you're not sure you want that wonderful gift because it convicts us <laughs> and tells us to deny ourselves. But can I tell you, it's something that we should seek. Search the Scriptures, but seek. Search for the Holy Spirit, not just some outcome. And then knock. And again, this is not some physical. This is, this is thinking through that process that there's a, a door, there's a barrier. If there seems to be blockages, if there seem to be closed doors to you, then you keep knocking like the man in the parable. Notice that. The persistence paid off. He first heard, no, I'm not getting up. But he was a determined guy, and guess what? Go away, it's late. I'm not getting up, the kids are in bed. 
All right, all right, would you stop it already? And it's not God saying, I just want you to beg. He never says to beg for it. But He does say, maybe you need some more persistence. Maybe you need to grow a little bit more before you can get it. Maybe you're seeking the wrong thing. Maybe your heart's not right yet. And maybe you just got to knock a little bit longer so that when it's open to you, it'll be wonderful and glorious. And Jesus reaffirms this in Revelation chapter 3 and 20. He says this crazy thing. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Now, Jesus is standing at a door knocking. And he says, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, have fellowship with him, and he with me. You see, sometimes the doors are reversed. We think the door is blocking us, but maybe we have to open the door and let him in. You see, the Holy Spirit, we talk about this power. He's not like the SWAT team that brings this big thing and bam, busts into your life. The Holy Spirit is never going to kick in your front door. But when you open it, your whole life is about to change. Then you can experience this powerful, dynamic, that dunamis, explosive boldness that he said that you can have. And maybe you're saying this morning, hey, I'm not even sure I believe in this Jesus stuff yet. Great. You're okay. You're in a safe place here. I would just say search the Scriptures yourself and hear it from someone that wasn't raised in church, that hated speaking in public. I was ready to take an F in my speaking class than to stand up in front of a group of people and share my report. And now, look what I do for a living. Not because of talent. Not because I couldn't find something else to do. I had a a better paying job with a lot less stress. But once I opened the door to the Holy Spirit, something changed in me. And it wasn't all at once. That first initial filling, awesome, incredible. Never felt anything like it. But can I tell you, there's other fillings and refillings and understandings and leadings and callings and outpourings along the way. And maybe you've missed that and you haven't even experienced. I'm here to tell you, it's not in days gone past. It's for today. It's for right now. And it's for you. No matter where you're at, as long as you have taken care of that first hurdle of getting saved, you're a candidate to receive everything the Holy Spirit wants to pour out on you if you want to receive that. Also, don't compare. Don't compare your timing. Don't compare your experience, any difficulties or blessings that you've had. You can't compare your thing with somebody else's thing. Somebody else, maybe they just walk right up and all of a sudden, blam, And for you, it may take a while. <laughs> it may even take years. Well, why? I don't know. You've got to talk to God. I don't understand those things. It's not for me to determine. That's for Him to determine. If the Holy Spirit was so important, why didn't He just give Him to His disciples at the beginning? Maybe they weren't ready. Why did He make them wait? Because God is sovereign, and He gets to set the plan and the times and the rules. And just... 
be okay with that. And I know it's hard. You want it in your time. But just don't compare. It, it, it'll only set you up for failure. It'll only set you up for failure. Almost done. Let's talk about receiving this gift. First of all, understand that this is an experience. This is not a doctrine. This is not some ancient tradition. This is the heartbeat of God that wants you to experience. You see, part of the issue of today is we want to eliminate the experience, but the Holy Spirit is an experience. It's something that happens, something you feel, something that changes you. It's not just words on a page. Oh, the Holy Spirit. Yep, I read that. I'm talking about something that catapults you from who you were into who you can be, that begins to change your morals and your values and your worldview and begins to shake up your life like we sang about this morning, that begins to tear stuff down and build you up. It is something that's wonderful and glorious, and it's something to be experienced, not just acknowledge in our brain, yep, there is a Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. How do we receive this gift? Not just the asking, seeking, and knocking. We've got that. But Acts chapter 2 tells us another important thing. Verses 38 through 41. First, the Word of God has to be heard. When they broke out of that upper room, they began to preach the things of God. They had to hear it, and that's what I'm sharing with you this morning. Nothing new, nothing complicated, but you've got to hear the Word of God. Not my word. I could stand up here and tell you about all the experience that I've had, but that's not God's word. That's my word. You need God's word that you can bank on it, that He wants you to have the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You need God's word on that. And part of that is repenting. There is never one instance in the Holy Spirit, one instance in His Holy Scriptures, where somebody receives the Holy Spirit without a repentant life. Maybe you're like, I'm not even sure what that means. That means you turn away from your sin and you turn to God. Some people try to turn away from sin, but they don't turn to God. They just try to turn over a new leaf, and it doesn't turn out very well for them. Then it just makes you a good person. Can I tell you there's no good people without God? You're just somebody trying your best, but you'll never get there. You've got to hear the Word of God and believe that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then you have to understand that there's a call going out. It said to all those, to these and those, and all that are far off, all of them that God has called. That promise is to you and your children and all that are far off. The preached word is heard and the call of God to respond. You see what he's saying? You've heard the word, now you've got your part. Guess what? You have to respond. If not, we're stuck in the, I shouldn't have to ask. Thirdly, you have to receive that word. And I'm not talking about all that weird doctrine of the past. I'm talking about receiving the word of God for what it says and what it means. Verse 41, so those who received his word were Baptized. Noticed that as soon as they heard the word, they responded. There was an action. What must I do? Get, repent and be baptized. That's amazing. That means that word inside of us that comes from not just being letters on a page, it becomes part of you and you trust who Christ is because He is the word. 
And this radical type of commitment always follows repentance. Now, it's going to sound funny, but some of you, you don't need to repent so much of your sin. You've done that. But you need to repent of your sluggishness towards the Holy Spirit or your apathy or your complacency or your resistance or your, I'm not doing that. Be very careful. You need to repent of that. And again, don't flow into some thing you've seen, but say, God, I repent of all the mess that I've been thinking and all my hang-ups. I just want what you've got. Repent of that attitude. Repent of your actions of, not me. And see, I'd be so bold to tell you this. Maybe that's why you're struggling in your life. Because you're just trying to be a good Christian. Can I tell you that without the Holy Spirit, it's not just difficult, it's impossible? The Holy Spirit will prompt you to follow the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit will point you at God. The Holy Spirit will begin to sanctify you and begin to cleanse your thought process and your heart process and your want-tos. And sometimes it takes the mess out of you and sometimes it puts new stuff in you. (laughs) But without that, you're just left with, I'm going to just try to be a good person. And you're going to be short-circuited. And you're going to fail and flounder and say, I'm not sure I can do this. Church doesn't mean that much to me. Maybe you're missing the essential part of the Holy Spirit. You've got to receive that word. So I'm going to ask you to stand up with me today and realize that you're invited, whether you've been saved for 20 years or 20 seconds. I'm inviting you to experience the greatest thing that you'll ever experience after salvation. It's not scary. It may seem a little different. (laughs) But the things of the Spirit always make our flesh nervous, just like ask anybody that's been baptized. They've taken baths and showers most of their lives, hopefully. But there's something different when they step up there. Why? Something in the Spirit's about to happen. It's a spiritual thing, not just a natural thing. So here's the first start. You begin to ask for God's Holy Spirit after, after fully repenting, and yielding your life to Him. And so maybe you've never done that this morning. I'm going to give you time to do that. I'm going to help you do that. So let's pray together. Father God, I'm a sinner that needs your salvation. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe He rose again. And I believe in His forgiveness. Forgive me of all my sin and make me a new person in Jesus Christ. I receive it by faith. Amen. Now you think, well, that's anticlimactic. That's how simple it is. It's by faith. Now, just so we can be clear, anybody pray that for the first time this morning, wanting a new start in their life. Anybody just raise up your hand so we can celebrate with you? Anybody this morning? One person, two people. Praise God. Let's give, let's give them a hand this morning. <laughs>